my goal as a leader or in any individual's goal as a leader is to engage your employees to want to move mountains for you. Today on episode six of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, leadership tips from the very top of the Fortune 500. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast, insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Thanks for joining us on the High Performance Leadership Podcast. I'm Randy Lane. Today, we're talking with David Bailey. During his 26 years with Walmart, he was known as the turnaround manager. He's helped struggling divisions inside the company, and now he's taking his leadership expertise to the North Florida market as CEO of Access 24 Business Development Consultancy. David talked with us about employee engagement, building trust, and staying humble, among other things. And now, on to the interview. Well, David, thank you so much for investing your time with us today and being on the High Performance Leadership Podcast with us. I really appreciate you being on. Let's start with, just tell us about your background. How, how did you end up where you are today? My experience is based upon uh, 26 plus years of working for a Fortune, the number one Fortune One company uh, in the world right now, and that's Walmart wow. uh, in store operations. Mm-hmm. And over the course of those 26 years, I've done a variety of jobs, worked with a variety of individuals. I've been a store manager, ran several stores. I uh, was a regional trainer uh, where I trained salaried management associates out of territory that went from South Carolina out to Texas all the way down to Florida. So I had a, a large group of individuals that were responsible for cultivating their, their leadership over the course of the years. Recently, I was in a position where I was part of the district team and actually ran the super center operations, the grocery operations, of eight of the large stores here in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. So quite a bit of responsibility out of that, quite a bit of opportunity to not only manage or lead on an individual store level, but on a multi-unit level as well. Yeah, absolutely. So over the years, obviously, you've had a lot of employees that have worked for you, a lot of Uh, managers that have worked for you and worked alongside of you. One of the questions we always ask everybody on this podcast, and that is, you know, can you think of examples in your back, in your 26-year history with that organization of, of great leadership, gr- people that inspired you, that helped you, that, that was a real example of what we call a high-performing leader? I, I would tell you, I worked for a manager. His name was Steve Adams, fantastic manager. Steve had the ability to surround himself with a team of associates that were engaged and were always willing to go the extra mile for him. And he did that because he was always on the front lines with the associates. He was always out on the sales floor. He was always touring, practicing that coaching by walking around, a very critical element uh, of a good leader. He would develop his associates or our associates from day one, he sat in orientation and he would dominate that orientation session, spend hours in there, invest hours, because as he built those relationships with those individuals in that initial phase, he was able to carry that out when he got onto the sales floor as a leader. And that's what helped him cultivate an, an environment uh, where people just wanted to do things for him. Yeah. And, and, and so those were some great traits that he had. Was he an overly charismatic person? Was he reserved, quiet? Was that a, 
something about him that drew people in, or was it his character? Interesting enough, he was a very reserved individual. He was not like uh, a charismatic person like uh, John F. Kennedy that you would think of. But um, but because he was able to relate well with the associates, uh, that's one of the things, and they respected him and they trusted him. He worked hard to build that trust in those individuals, and and that's what helped him be able to 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 get accomplished what he needed to get accomplished. Now let's flip it. Have you ever worked for uh, a leader that you know exemplified the opposite of what we just talked about, or someone that you know you couldn't wait to get away from? <laughs> yeah, and there's probably been quite a few of those folks over the course of the years. And and if you take a look at the traits that I just discussed, you know, and reverse them. That, that's the classic example of a manager that realistically probably got promoted because they were good at one or two things that they did. But overall, being a good supervisor, they didn't have the character traits for that. Not communicating with their team. I've worked with managers who spent their entire day back in an office, never hit the sales floor once. And then when they came out, they wanted to know why things didn't get the way that they thought that they should. So there was no engagement with the associate, no engagement with the management staff. And, and realistically, and you know, one of these phrases we used to use in Walmart all the time was you have to inspect what you expect. Mm-hmm. And, and, and those type of managers that, that didn't survive and didn't follow that culture of the company of being out there working with the associates and, and, and engaging them throughout the course of the day uh, and, and leading by example. Uh, those are the ones that didn't survive. Walmart's a huge corporation. I mean, it's really hard, I would think, for somebody on a lower level to kind of see the overall vision of a company like Walmart. How do you instill in your workers a sense of purpose? Because by and large, that's what you read as something that motivates someone to do a good job. If they have a shared purpose, if they know what they're doing matters. The key to it is making sure that the the associate understands that their job is to be there to take care of the customer, regardless of what they're doing, what their task is. If, if, if we can break down and we have broken down whatever their job is and how it relates to taking care of the customer, their piece taking care of the customer, that's what helps engage those, those folks into getting that job done. And, it, and we also talked a lot about it in Walmart about activity versus productivity uh, and, and you know, being active but not really um, being engaged in, in, in doing work. And the same is true you know, as being active doing their job and not engaging the customer. And, and so that importance of making sure that they engage the customer uh, that walked by, making sure that they were being assisted, and, and then – recognizing someone when they did that and then reinforcing to them, hey, how'd you feel when you engage that customer and, and, and they gave you that good feeling that, that, that you gave them good service? That's what, what you're, that's what you're there for. You own your own business. You, you've left the corporate world now. You've struck out. You've built your own firm. And what kind of clients do you like to work with? What, you know, do you have a market focus that you're going after? And, and if so, what, what does that client look like? Retail and grocery are, are my forte. And having spent uh, so many years working at Walmart, going into to stores or business units that have been chaotic and fixing them, that gives me that, that forte of going into not large chains, but smaller chains here in the Jacksonville market, whether it's grocery or smaller retailers, even you know some of the, uh, the folks that have one or two units, and, and talk to them not just about 
the, the leadership phase, but to be able to, to, to really engage with those folks about the entire retail process from getting the merchandise in, getting it to the floor, taking care of the customer, managing the shrinkage in, making sure the bills get paid, but then that overall environment of how do you manage this organization and engage your employees to be successful, uh, to be a successful business. Even if you're in a business that competes with Walmart, because there's plenty of opportunities, plenty of customers to come in and, and helping those stores actually niche into a niche that Walmart doesn't fill and guiding them into that, into that direction. So when you're working with a company that has a lot of employees, I would think it'd be easy for them to just feel kind of like a cog, just kind of obey the orders that are given to them. And a lot of people would look and and say, what is leadership? Leadership is the guy in charge. How do you instill personal leadership in people that are lower down on the food chain to work together as part of a team? Well, probably one of the first things I ask them is how they're doing it now. And in many cases, I find a lot of the supervisors, especially the hourly supervisors, who have, again, were good at a task and got promoted, and they're not really that great at being a supervisor because they've never been trained. Uh, they'll tell me that they tend to rely upon uh, authority, their position of authority, as opposed to a relational authority. Uh, and, the, of course, the first question I ask them is, how's that working for you? <laughs> and usually the response I get back is, it ain't working too well. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I try to get those individuals, now that they've seen that end of the, of the leadership scale, to work towards a relational and build that relationship and trust with their employees so that they can be more effective um, at, at, at their job and, and being a supervisor. What would some of your strategies for building trust between a leader and the people that, that he's leading, how would you do that, would you say? Building trust in, in, you know, relies upon uh, being honest, being open with your, with your employees. One of the things that, that I think Walmart keyed in on that, that I really have taken to heart as I go into some of these businesses is that the more information you share with the people that you're working with, the more likely they are to be engaged and to, to trust what the, the business is going, good and bad. Because you know you, you want to share the good stuff and say, hey, we're doing great in revenue, but we're not doing so well over here. And, and because you share that information, you're, you're, you're building that trust with those individuals. One of the key things that I always see that I always try to relate to as well is making sure that as a leader and in, in building that trust that you are quick to be egoless and humble. Make sure that those folks are the ones that are getting the credit for that quickly builds trust. And then the other thing is always acknowledge when you make a mistake hmm. and apologize. I have earned more trust relationships with individuals when I've made a mistake and gone back and, and either acknowledged it to them and apologized. And I've even gotten to the point where I just acknowledge it to a whole group. Hey, I made a mistake yesterday. This is what happened. And I apologize to that individual. You will be amazed how much you will earn in respect of the folks that you're trying to, to lead. Yeah, absolutely. Well, David, you know, we were in Dallas here a couple of months ago, and you told me a story, which I thought was really interesting, that pertained to Walmart, but it really had to do around change as a leader dealing with change. And one of the things was when Walmart decided to go away from what what I would call the traditional greeter, you know, the, the retired person at the front door that hands you a cart and says hi, wearing the vest, and Walmart went through a change around that, and you as a leader managing stores had to deal with that change. Can you 
kind of reiterate a little bit about that story that you mentioned to me and how you dealt with that as a leader? That that was a position that had been around for decades. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Everybody thinks of Walmart. They think of greeters. Exactly. And, and, and the expectation when you walk into the building was to see that friendly individual that's, that's shaking your hand, kissing babies, handing out stickers and everything like that. And one day, for whatever reason, the company decided that that position was going to go away. And there was a lot of pushback for the customers at the store level. Probably one of the most misconceived things amongst the associates and amongst the public was we were just eliminating those jobs and those people were not going to work anymore and and they were just going to be out of the job and out on the street, which is absolutely untrue. Uh, Every one of those individuals uh, were absorbed into the store, into certain positions, and that change created an opportunity to refunnel uh, a lot of the resources that we had for those folks up front into uh, the sales force taking care of the customers. And it, and it actually made customers feel a little bit better about walking in the stores and going, say, up front to get a refund. Because now instead of them being stopped by someone who wanted to put a sticker on each one and going through the inconvenience of that, that was a change that the customers all of a sudden realized, hey, well, this is, this is probably a good change because now I could just walk right in, get a refund, and, and, and not have to go through that extra step and that hassle at the front door. So uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a change that we had to get everyone to embrace. Change is the only thing constant whether we're talking about Walmart or any any organization, and uh, in, in, in by effectively communicating that change uh, and, and making sure everyone understands why that change was taking place, that's what made that change make it easier. Yeah, change is difficult. Nobody likes change except the person who's implementing it and the person who directly benefits from it. Absolutely. Everybody else sees it as a gap area. So the fact that you know that change, which had been in place for a long time, or those employees having to go through that change is tough and it affects a lot of leaders and it doesn't happen overnight. Just because you send out a memo and say, Hey, guess what? We're changing stuff. Doesn't mean people accept it. It requires a paradigm shift and a change in behavior. So good. Well, do you have uh, any type of motto or, or theme that you live by in your own leadership style, in your own business? And, and when you work with your clients, one of the phrases that, that, that I've developed over the course of the years and, 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 I, and I get this across in my leadership and, and, and I've really, embed this into my own actions. And, and, and that is that my goal as a leader or in any individual's goal as a leader is to engage your employees to want to move mountains for you. And when you have effectively engaged your associates or your employees to do that, then you have, are on your way to being that successful leader. That leader with a vision, being able to communicate that vision to those folks, uh, practicing respect for the individual, understanding what each person on your team, how they how they work and what works best for them, driving that passion to realize their vision. We talked about building and sustaining trust, the ego lists and being humble, inspiring commitment and motivation. All of those things come together to engage employees to want to move mountains for you as opposed to just telling them that that mountain's got to move and, you know, at some point they'll get it done. So when you want to work with a new company, for example, where do you start? What's your process of getting them moving and developing into what you want them to develop into and what they want to develop into? Over the years, you know, as I said, you know, one of my fortes was was going into the business units or the stores within Walmart that were in some type of chaos or were not meeting baseline expectations. And I would go in there and essentially do what we talk about now is our high performance leadership. And that is I'd go in and assess where the organization is. I would assess what the business unit is doing. 
I would take that assessment and develop a strategy to fix the issues, not only to get the organization up to the baseline, but to get it to be a high performance organization within the store or the entire store. Then after I've done the organizational side, I would work towards developing the leaders. And that was so critical within Walmart. Again, many organizations don't have the ability to properly train their leaders to, to, to work with their, uh, their employees. And then finally, building teams. That's probably one of the things that, that I enjoy the most. Uh, but then also that I work with the, the, the companies that I work with hands-on is getting those teams built because that's that final part of that 360 solution we always talk about. And, and over the course of the years, having done that with Walmart, that process works just exactly like, you know, we talk about it in yep. our high performance leadership series. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer that if you don't assess where they're at and create a strategy that any leadership development, any team development that you do is going to be worthless if, if it's not really about changing behavior to execute on the strategy, right? And if you don't know what your strategy is, how do you develop people to, to actually execute? You, you can put them in training classes, but again, it's modifying behavior to execute on a strategy that shows the largest ROI. And the only way you come up with a real strategy is to first assess where you're currently at and create a plan of where you want to go. So it's a very simplistic, but yet powerful model that if organizations use it, I think it, it really produces really high performing results. And it's a lot about focus and developing the right people. So that's great. So what, what does your future look like? What, what do you, uh, what's your goals in terms of working with organizations in Florida? You want to stay right there? Are you looking at expanding and getting out into other markets? Uh, what do you see your future looking like? It's funny. Cause I was just thinking about that. Uh, you talked about that today and, uh, at Jacksonville being my core market, uh, I would like to also uh, expand down into Orlando. Mm -hmm. I think there's a fantastic market down there that's 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 untapped for the, the resources that we have available. Uh, and and then actually, I'd like to uh, possibly move up into the Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. You know, those are three key markets that are that are well within uh, my reach. That I feel that that with the model that we have, we can effectively uh, help develop organizations in those markets. Well, I know you and I are planning on uh, working together here sometime uh, this fall, doing a putting together a two-day leadership workshop, an organizational workshop. So I'm really excited about that. Hopefully we can get that launching off the ground and, and working very well. So, Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Yep. Excited about that. I had one more question before we wrap up here. Um, on assessment, have you had issues where you have somebody who is not quite meeting the expectations for a job and you just find out that that person wasn't a good fit for that job but worked better in another capacity and then had a real win after that? Absolutely. You know, one of the – whether we're talking about Walmart or any of the other organizations that I've worked with, one of the critical things that you can do is when you've done that assessment program – and, and just in the scenario you talked about, we don't want to be put in a position where we're going to let somebody go and then have to go and hire somebody else to fill another position. That That's not the best way to work for that employee, nor is it the best cost expense for our particular organization. When we develop the benchmarks, as we call them, for, for other positions within, a, within the organization, and we run everyone through those benchmarks and we identify 
where that person can work best, then it's always in that organization's best interest to move that individual over there so that they can be successful. And once they feel successful, then they will be moving mountains for your organization. Quick personal anecdote. So I haven't had a lot of experience leading teams, but I, I led a small team of video journalists on an aircraft carrier. And we had a guy who was working in the Photoshop and was just the bane of everyone's existence. He just hated it. He was not a fan of it and came to find out what he enjoyed was the storytelling aspect. So he came up into my shop where putting together a video story is very much storytelling and he totally excelled. And he was to the point where he was getting written up, had all sorts of issues in the, in the Photoshop, came up to work in video. And then next thing you know, he's our star guy. So it just really goes to show that if you really pay attention to the interests and passions and fit of certain individuals, they're going to do better for your organization if you can really key in on that. And that really takes getting to know people and assessing where they are. Absolutely. You know, that's why I say understanding, understanding that individual uh, on your team is, is, is absolutely critical. And you'll, there's a lot of folks that may not, like you say, want to work with that individual. You know, simply because they don't have an understanding of how that works. And once you're able to figure out what that understanding is and then effectively communicate it to everyone else as well, then, then, then yeah, that individual becomes, you know, part of a, a working part of the organization. Wonderful. How can people find you? What's your website? Any social media? I can be found at access24.info. That's my website. I also have a second website for the assessment program. It is employeebenchmark.com. I'm very excited about that website and the results that it's producing. Uh, I'm also on Facebook and on LinkedIn for both of those organizations, uh, as well as Twitter. Twitter is access243. And, and so that's how you can reach me. Yeah, what, what's your email address? It's um, info, mm-hmm. I-N-F-O, at access24. Dot info. Okay, great. One last question. Is there any size organization you work with? I mean, Walmart's largest employer in the world or one of them. I mean, is that, are you going after companies like Walmart or are you more interested in smaller to medium size organizations? The, the sweet spot, 50 to 500. Okay. You know, I can work up to an organization about a thousand, but, um, but 50 to 500. I, I love the smaller businesses because mm-hmm. it's like breaking into the smaller parts of Walmart, which is one of the things that we always used to do is store within a store. So it's, it's really easy to relate and, to, and really easy to drive those smaller businesses towards a, a good profitable and, and, and good revenue solution. The High Performance Leadership Podcast is also sponsored by Principles of High Performance Leadership, the book by Chip Wilson. The first 100 people to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast get the book for free. That's right, free book. Go to 360solutions.com for more information. All right, Chip, so can you kind of explain to me what a high-performance workshop is? Absolutely. What... Most of the time, organizations are struggling uh, on one thing or another, and they really don't know how to put it all together. And so we have this two-day intensive workshop, we call it a high-performance workshop, that really has a framework. And that framework helps organizations understand what are the principles of highly successful organizations. What do they look like? And, And then we move into assessing. Step two is assessing the organization. We have seven critical steps that we look at. We help our uh, participants that are in the workshop really kind of create a benchmark of where their current organization is. is. We move to step three, which is clarifying their strategy and helping them think through their strategy. And is it a good strategy? Can they, can they change it? And how do we clarify it? And then step four is we then start helping empower them on leadership. 
and help them understand what does a high-performance leader do on a daily basis. And then step five is those leaders then build very high-performing teams of individuals. And, and we're really focused on getting the leaders and the teams to execute on the strategy. And so, so this two-day workshop takes them through the entire process. It does. And so when you leave the workshop, you'll leave with a, a framework of a, a plan that you can go back into your organization and really take this and understand what are our principles, assess our organization on seven different critical areas, create that baseline, clarify our strategy, and then start changing behavior of our leaders and our teams to execute on that on that clear strategy that we have in place now. And who's this who's this workshop for? Anybody in a leadership role. So it doesn't matter if you're for profit, nonprofit, it doesn't matter. If you are responsible for getting results in your organization, especially if you're responsible for getting results through other people, this workshop is designed for those individuals. And so if I'm looking for more information, where can I go? Go to 360solutions.com. And in there, you'll see everything that you need to know about the upcoming workshops all around the U.S. And we have some actually in other parts of the world as well. But there's probably one coming close to you uh, sometime this year. Uh, and the information's on there. The cost is extremely reasonable. And the reason why we keep the cost low is because we want people to understand the framework. Once you understand the framework, then you know we can help you along the way of implementing those things. So if you've enjoyed this podcast and all of our leadership tips and tricks that we've been giving you, this is kind of the next step. Yeah, the next step is, is to say, you know what, this is great information. I really want to see how I can... Uh, apply some of these principles to help my organization grow, this two-day workshop is is kind of the starting point. It's kind of the immersion into the overall concept of high performance uh, as you as a leader, and then really as how the organization and leaders work together to to build a high-performance company. All right, I'm joined in the studio right now by Talia. She's the director of our SP network here at 360 Solutions, and we are talking about high-performance workshops. We've talked about these on other podcasts, and now we have some scheduled, and we're kind of pleased to talk about them. Can you tell us about our upcoming DC workshop? Absolutely. We're really excited. It is going to be um, hosted by Scott Kiefer with Cobra Leadership Development. It will be on July 14th and 15th. If you need to look into it, you actually can go to 360solutions.com forward slash events. And we have information also about hotel, any kind of arrangements that you need. Just let us know and we'll take care of that for you. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Make sure and subscribe via iTunes, give us a rating, and leave us a review. Tell everyone you know to do the same thing. The more subscriptions, ratings, and reviews we get, the higher iTunes rates us. Visit our website at hpleadershippodcast.com, tweet at us at twitter.com slash 360 underscore solutions, and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 360 solutions LLC. That's all together, no spaces. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.